0: Love Talk Radio. Good evening, everyone. You're on the D-Hour Network. This is Marcia Patterson for your help. I want to welcome you guys. Today is October the 28th of 2018. Can you believe it? I mean, October is over with. Uh, Just wishing everyone a blessed week. I hope everything is going well. I'm excited about our guest tonight and her husband, uh, we have Aaron Marshall and Crystal Marshall, uh, their founder of Defined Purpose. And I'm going to have them come on and give you um, information about Defined Purpose. It's about sexual abuse. With, for your health, we talk about our health as far as what's healthy for us to eat, our mind, and our body. Because Then we're going to talk about our emotions because there's so many things that can happen to us as young adults even as older adults, that can affect our mental capability and our health. So we're going to talk about one of the things that's pretty much been taboo, kind of been, at least I'm a baby boomer. We didn't talk about things like this. You know, I think nowadays people are more um the Me Too movement, speaking out about their sexual abuse and what they were going on. We see what's happening with the Catholic churches so Marsh uh the marshals they're here tonight to kind of share with us their divine purpose and why they're on this mission and how they got there. So I wanna welcome you guys. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for being on this show. I am excited to have you guys.
1: Thank you so much for having us. Hear? We're excited to be here. Yes, yes We're here. Yes, yes,
0: can you
2: hear
0: yes. Us? yes, I can hear you now. Yes, ma'am, I can hear you. Okay. Um Give me a little background about you and your husband, uh, what Divine Purpose is all about and um, what you're doing with it.
1: Okay, no problem. So um, in 2010, Define with Purpose was founded, and um, it was honestly founded on the basis of just women and um, young women really having an understanding of their value, their worth, and their purpose. And I founded it initially just because of my other career that I have, which is modeling, and just traveling all around, just kind of really having an understanding and relationship and meeting with uh, other young models that were amazing. They just really kind of had – um low self-esteem, or just didn't really understand their value and worth. And I was kind of that model that people would talk to about their issues and their bad relationships that they were going through. And so as people would talk to me, I was laughing because I was that girl like, I don't, why are you telling me? I don't, I don't see why you're not doing something different about it or just, you know, fix the situation. But then as I kind of developed and matured in life, um, I went through a, a bad situation as far as relationship. And then I really had an understanding as far as how important your value is and your worth. And so that was the initial um, beginning of the fight with purpose. And then, again, as life evolved and um, I had my little daughter, um, I also saw this, the significance of what um, sexual abuse does to your value and to your worth. And then that was where the premise of Define With Purpose was founded, where we really started digging in to child molestation, sexual abuse. And so now we mentor um, young men and women and them understanding who they are, um, helping them overcome um, sexual traumas. Uh, we also um, pay for therapy and legal fees for families uh, that can't afford those costs. And we have parental support groups to help parents um, go through that process. So that's essentially kind of the evolution of Defined with Purpose. Wow. So you
0: started in 2009, and you're saying these models have self-image problems where, I mean, you think when you see these models, they look flawless. Their hair looks flawless. Their makeup is great. How can they have a self-image problem? And I guess that's from an internal perspective, not an external, correct?
1: Right. Absolutely. And I mean, the thing about modeling is that um, you're always expected to look a certain way. You're always expected to be beautiful. Um, If one little thing kind of changes, it can really weigh on your self-esteem if you're not, if you really don't have a strong foundation and understanding of who you are. So um, we have teams of people that help us look good, you know. So That's one of those things. I mean, and there's always, you know, Photoshop or whatever it is to make you look good externally. Um, But we, you know, it's one of those things that you have to really be cautious of to make sure that, again, your foundation is set in something other than what you look like or what your dress size is or whatever it may be. Um, We get scrutinized heavily when we go to castings. I mean, I myself have been told that I was too tall and too short in the same day or that, Um, I had too big of ears or too small of ears in the same day. You know, so those kinds of things, if you're not, you know, if you don't have your foundation, it can kind of weigh on who you are. So your um, career, in essence, is based on the opinion of someone else and what they think of you. So that can definitely weigh on your self-esteem. And so that was the main
0: purpose for uh, you guys starting the organization. When did it, and it shift more when did it shift more into the sexual abuse type of thing is that when you start having more deep conversation with these young ladies and young men
1: Well um yes and no so that happened in 2013 and so previously before the organization was founded um like I said before I was in a relationship that really opened my eyes to what uh, self-esteem and self-worth really was and what that looked like. And so in that relationship, um, I had my daughter as well. And so through the process of her growing and, um, you know, getting older, she would go visit her family because um, we lived in two separate places, and that would be her dad's side of the family. And she came back one day um, telling me that her private parts were burning. And so I'm like, okay, what's going on? You know, And she was three, so it wasn't completely clear as far as what was going on. And then as she continued to tell me a little bit more, um, more of the story started coming out, and I found out that um, someone was touching her. And then from that, it evolved into us going into the the doctor to kind of figure out what was going on, and um, we found out that she was being uh, sexually abused. And so that was the absolute premise in the very beginning of that, and that started in 2013. So being a single mom, um, kind of walking through that process of what abuse looked like for my three-year-old child, um, I still have the organization wow. that God was talking to me to say, hey, this is part of Define the Purpose. And so going through that process with her and making sure that she was okay, and as the story continued to come out and more information came out, um, I realized that there were so many flaws in the system. It's here to help us, but there's also so many things that if you don't have a certain amount of money, or if you can't afford a good therapist or a good attorney, um, you can still kind of be put into a case in which you could be hurt. And so I also right. saw that with my daughter, um, being three, um, she was diagnosed with PTSD. She was diagnosed with, uh-huh. um, with, um, what's it Depression as well. And then as she went through those processes, um, It was tough. It was absolutely tough. And so, as going through that with her, I saw also a correlation with some of the other people that were in my life that were a part of Define with Purpose. And at that moment, um, another branch of our organization called No More Secrets was birthed, and that's what we deal with as far as the sexual abuse and molestation.
0: Wow. Now, give us an estimate: how many sexual abuse cases are Maybe that we know about or, or reported each year here in the United States?
1: You know what? Okay. I honestly, uh, Marcia, don't know how many are reported, um, but I know that the last statistic was done, and I believe it was 2015, and that was mm-hmm. um, stating that girls are sexually abused, I'm sorry, that have gone through child molestation, and one in five boys have gone through child molestation. So um, yeah. that's what I know. And then um, but I would definitely like to know how many get reported because so many times it's not reported, and those one in three and one in five statistics are the ones that have been reported. Right, and they said it's a big number. This I was
0: reading one that said if a one in five is reported, there's two others that have not been reported. That yeah, you know, people don't say anything or the family members. And that is hard because because a lot of time the family members may turn on the child or the individual that's complaining or trying to say something, so because I um kind of take me back when um my first marriage and I, um he had a cousin and she wore makeup very very heavy, and come to find out she had been um sexually assaulted and uh, molested. As a young girl, and I think she wore that heavy makeup to just—I don't know—kind of hide behind or something. But um, she was very much emotionally damaged from that, and um, mm-hmm. and found herself ostracized from the family because of it. So, mm-hmm. um, how do you how do you guys get the young people <laughs> that you're working with, and how do they come about to be part of that? No more Secret and divine purpose. Now, with and one more, let me say this. With divine purpose and no more secrets, do you kind of work hand in hand or is it just two separate groups?
1: So defined with purpose is the organization as a whole. And so within the okay. organization we have um, gotcha. a portion of our organization that works with value and worth and purpose to those that have not been sexually abused. And then no more secrets is the portion that works with kids um, that have been sexually abused. So it's all under gotcha. the umbrella of the Fund with Purpose. And the way that gotcha. the program is set, up, the first um, portion of the program, we're just building these kids up. We're helping them to understand who they are, um, just building relationship and rapport with them. Um, we talk about, you know, forgiveness. We talk about um, who they are. We talk about their purpose. And then once they're built up, uh, we start going a little bit into the aspect of the abuse. And in this whole process of us doing this, we are um, teaming up with our trauma-certified therapists that are working hand-in-hand with them as well to help them overcome the situation in which they've experienced. And the
0: youngest group you're working with, kids' age, what are the youngest ages you're working with and the highest age of young people you're working with?
1: We've, um, our youngest age is five. We start at age five, um, and then we go all the way up to um, probably about like 25, 26. And um, the older, the 25, 26, those are the ones that are a part, you would say, for instance, the Me Too movement, um, the ones that have never disclosed and now it's coming out, or they're dealing with uh, suicidal tendencies or cutting or depression or anxiety. Uh, due to the sexual abuse, and they haven't disclosed. So we're there to mentor them through those problems and issues as well.
0: Wow. So you get, you get referrals from the state and from social services, from the police department. How do you get the young people to, to know that they need this type of help? So um,
1: the way that we get referrals is um, probably first and foremost is word of mouth. Um, people kind of find out about what we do and then they refer. Um, we get referrals from churches, from schools, like the social workers at the schools. For instance, if a kid discloses at school to a teacher, um, the um, social worker at the school or the counselor would give them our information as well so we can kind of walk alongside of, with them of the journey. And then um, what else? I'm trying to think how other ways we get referrals. Um, I think that's about it. So, yeah, it would be word of mouth, the school systems, um, other organizations as well. Um, So, yeah,
2: that's how
0: they come in. Wow. And I I commend you guys because I don't think many people, and I know myself, I couldn't handle it because if they start telling me something, either I'm going to get mad or ready to cry or ready to break somebody's neck because,
2: Mm -hmm.
0: you know, the most precious thing you have is your child. And to Mm -hmm. me, the enemy comes in to steal that innocence and that, that that, that that special life to destroy it, you know, at an early age, so they're confused or they're tormented and not knowing what direction or who they are at that point, or to appreciate the gift that God has given them. So, right. take me through if a, a five-year-old. How do you handle a five-year-old? I mean, I know a lot of times some psychiatrists may use picture drawings and things like that to mm-hmm. have individuals to um reflect what's going on so do we start there or how do we start um allowing young people to feel free or how do you set the stage from them to have a conversation with you
1: so um if we get a five-year-old it's usually because they have disclosed to a parent or someone else beforehand and so um like I said before, I'm going to kind of take you back a little bit to be able to kind of explain the way that we'll work with them. Um, with, like I said before with my daughter, um, she was honestly, she even says today, she's eight now, but she says today that she's thankful um, that it happened because now we're able to help so many families uh, because she now doesn't suffer from any of those, uh, the PTSD, the wow. depression. She's completely, and I'm so thankful to God, but it was all him. And then even the process that we had to go through that he walked us through. But um, now, because of her experience, she's actually a junior mentor at our program. And so she helps us with the young five. Wow, an eight-year-old? She does, yeah. <laughs> and so she's wow. in the workshops with us because, um, she, you know, she's in there with them. And they look up to her because, you know, she's older or, you know, she might speak life into them. And I'll never forget one day. I was at, we were at Define with Purpose, and I was mentoring and kind of working with some of the young five and six-year-olds, and my daughter was in there, and she just kind of walked up to one of the girls casually and just spoke life into her better than what I could have ever done, and she just talked about how much purpose she had and how God loved her so much and that what happened to her isn't going to define who she is, and I will never forget that moment because then, as a mom, I was like, yes, you know, I was super excited, but Also, too, as watching where she came from to now be able to speak life into another kid that had experienced something similar that she had was mind-blowing to me. And so um, the way that, and I guess now I can answer your question, but she's there, you know, and our kids that have gone through the program and have overcome, they're always able to come back as a junior mentor and help our um, new kids that are coming in. And so what that looks like is that we'll have, let's say, a group of five, six, and seven-year-olds that have experienced sexual abuse, and we're on the ground with them, we're playing games with them, we're talking about their value with them, we're discussing with them um, body parts and what's appropriate, what's not appropriate, you know, we're just kind of breaking it down to their level. And I can say for sure that I'm glad that when my daughter's there because they have a lot more energy than I do. <laughs> but when she's there and when she's talking with them, um, they they love it because they're able to relate to somebody that's a little bit younger. And then um, also too, we're discussing with them, um, just understanding like um, how to overcome the situation that they've experienced. And we discuss a lot about how that wasn't what who you're gonna be and how we discuss and kind of bring out to them some of their dreams and some of their aspirations and other things that they want to do, so they're not completely focused on that. Um, So they, whenever they start feeling down on themselves because it has happened or they want to go into depression, you know, they have something else, and we always speak hope into them as well so they don't lose their hope. And then in conjunction with the mentorship, this is the part that I do. Uh, We have therapists that are working on the more intense side of it as far as getting the fullness of the story and um, getting everything documented and um, understood so if we have to pursue legally or whatever it may be that all of that is in order as well
0: I'm sitting here with chills I'm about ready to cry listening to you tell me about your daughter being able to embrace I mean to take those wounds and to use it, those wounds to flower out the beauty and the gift that God given her to reach out to other women that are young girls who are hurting, I mean, mm-hmm. that is awesome. That is awesome. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that the, the devil meant for bad, God turned it around, and he's meaning it for good because he's using your daughter mm-hmm. and you, you guys. And I commend you because, in our community, me being an African-American, I know you guys are African-Americans, we don't have enough people on the ground, you know, doing enough healing in our community because we're so wounded in our community, mm-hmm. and a lot of times we do keep the secrets. It goes through our graves, you know. It wasn't mm-hmm. until I went to my grandfather's funeral, girl. At my grandfather's funeral, I find out I had brothers. So, you know, and everybody Mm -hmm. knew the secret, but no one told the secret, you know. And I remember Mm -hmm. saying to my mom, I said, okay, let's open this closet door. I want everything Mm -hmm. open. I just want to, I want everything open. And I truly believe that allow us to be free and allow that gift because with that junk inside and we're not feel we're worthy and God's trying to put a blessing in you. And you're blocking it because you're not feeling worthy or beautiful enough, or thinking you earn this or need this gift because you don't know what that perpetrator been whispering in your ear or telling you, and you begin to believe that lie. So mm-hmm. I guess with your workshops and putting these together, say, okay, you have to change their tape recording that's been playing over and over for years in their head about Mm -hmm. what someone may do to them, the threats, the intimidation that they implanted into
1: that individual. And that takes some time.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Mm -hmm. It definitely does. Um, I can speak because I remember um, with my daughter, I'll never forget with us sitting in the car one day, and she was there and she kept asking me, was I going to die? And I was like, no, why do you think I'm going to die? And she was like, well, they told me you were going to die. Are you going to die? And I was like, no, I'm not going to die. And they said, she said, if they said that I told, they said that you were going to die. And I said, okay. <clears> so <throat> this, I, I, you know, and I was just reassuring her that I'm not. And I had to tell her, I was like, hey, God has us, you know, and, and right. he keeps us safe and he keeps us. And we don't have to worry about dying just because somebody is telling us something because they don't want us to tell their secret. And, again, that's why it's called No More Secrets, because how many times do we, especially as African-Americans and a lot of other um, cultures as well, because we work with all people, um, they all try to keep secrets. We all try not to let our pride um, be, or our egos or our reputation be hurt just because of, you know, secrets or whatever. So I think that, and I'm so thankful that, um, we're able to work with all cultures because they all have secrets, all of them. And I can't even say that there's one more than another. <laughs> I wish that I could. Right. But from what my right. experience is, I've seen every culture and every community, every race, every nationality, they all deal with trying to bury the things that they don't want anybody to know about. And I'm right. so thankful for the movements like Me Too movement and, you know, people speaking out about. Um, some of the shame and some of the trauma that they've experienced due to child molestation and abuse and, you know, other kinds of abuse as well, because it's needed. Um, But one thing that I've realized with defined with purpose and other movements is that if we can do it from a place of forgiveness, and if we can do it from a place of peace, as opposed to a place of anger and rage, we can get so much further and we can help so many more people. So as long as whether it's whatever community it is, as long as we can overcome and, you know, have time to heal and not want to tell about it because of rage or anger, but tell about it because it needs to be told and we need to protect and we need to keep these young people safe, we'll be at a better place, I think, as a whole.
0: Right, right. Now, you know, we, we've been listening in the news how the Catholic Church, these men disguised as and I remember I used to be in a Girl Scout And when my oldest daughter Wanted to be in Girl Scout I called my Girl Scout leader Miss Johnson Miss Donita Johnson And I said Miss Johnson uh, What troop should I put Martina in My daughter in She says, yours uh, Excuse hmm. me She said you're going to be her leader I said well I'm not hmm. trying to sign up To be a Girl Scout leader What troop should I put my daughter in no, mm-hmm. you're going to be the leader. So I signed up. I said, okay, fine. I signed up to be a Girl Scout leader. Ms. Johnson only had one daughter, and she donated, volunteered for almost 40-some years as a Girl scout, uh, scout. She would go and check the camps to make everything, make sure the Girl Scout camp was all culture, everything was in order, the girls were safe. And she said many times she had went to those campsites and girls were in the bag with other women and stuff mm-hmm. Uh,
2: mm-hmm.
0: without clothes on. And so she said, "You mm-hmm. always want to see the sister. So you want to be a. You want to know what uh, troop to put her in? You do it." So I was a Girl Scout leader for three years. You know, mm-hmm. brownie <laughs> troop because you never know. And these people, um, they sign up in these different organizations. Where they know they're gonna be around these children and things like that, they're smart enough to be wise enough to be to do that, and we mm-hmm. have to educate them. So when you say no more secrets, I know there's a list of secrets that they say to these young kids. So do you guys make a list? Have this list like they told you your daughter you was gonna die, or. Mm-hmm. Uh, or what are some of the secrets that they tell people, tell, some of the threats they tell the kids? And don't tell your mama because otherwise I'm going to do this, this, or this. Do you have a, some of the lists or threats or things
1: that keep the kids quiet? Um, you do see at times um, them saying things like, okay, your mom or dad might die or um, I'm going to hurt you if that happens. But from my experience and um, – what I've seen the most of is they play on the empathy of the child. So they'll say, okay, if you tell anyone, they're going to get really mad at me and I'm going to get in trouble and we don't want me to get in trouble, right? So they'll play more or less on the relationship that that person and the child has. So, um, yes, you do get the threats that are going to be, you're going to get hurt, you're going to die, you know, those kinds of things. But the ones that are harder to um, have – you know, open up or for the harder for the kid to say anything about is the ones where the perpetrator has, you know, kind of played on the empathy of the kid. Because, you know, kids are loyal, you know, they, they don't want anyone to get in trouble, you know, they want to, you know, make sure everything is okay, regarding what they can handle. And so at times when they're saying, okay, well, I don't want your mom to know, because she'll get really mad at me, and she might yell at me, or, um You know, and I don't want to be in trouble, so can you make sure that you don't say anything? Those kinds of things are the ones that I feel are the most, the ones that keep the deeper secrets. Now, is there a certain,
0: um, okay, just touching, what do you consider sexual assault for a minor or a child? Would that just touching them or having them touch you? What are some of the things that would say that you warn the kids that, No one's to touch you at all, or you're not to touch Mm -hmm. anyone else, or Mm -hmm. does it have to go all the way to oral or
1: physical type contact? So it can um, range from just exposing uh, private parts to a minor to having pictures of a minor um, and vice versa, um, to displaying pornography to a child, um, touching, obviously, and then any kind of, like, um, sexual encounters um, even at times like certain kisses um, can be constituted as a child molestation um, I'm trying to think um, having a kid um, watch you do any kind of sexual acts or anything could be considered child molestation as well There's, it doesn't even have to be an act of touch it can even be an act of hey look at this or an act of um, exposing a child to something that they should not be exposed to as a as a minor,
0: looking at I was looking at some of the concerns that they have about possible child abuse, or uh, make because be difficult to recognize. They are saying something like torn or stained underwear, frequent urine or yeast infections, uh, nightmare anxieties around bedtime, bedwetting mm-hmm. when they never used to bed wet at at a certain time, and preoccupation um, mm-hmm. with the body. And um, mm-hmm. anger and tantrums, um, depression, mm-hmm. uh, withdrawal, sexual behavior, knowledge, um, having some knowledge about something they never used to have before. Is right. that right? Is that some correct. Things? correct.
1: Those are some of the symptoms um, that you can see if you um, see a kid that you're, you're suspecting that they could be um, having or be going or having being molested. I'm sorry. Um, but also a couple of other ones that are really um, minor is the kid being clingy and not wanting to go to a specific person's home or um, not wanting to leave a specific parent. Um, That's a big one as well. Um, Crying often, depending on the age, um, is a big one um, that you'll see. Um, But absolutely Um, you like as a parent, it's very imperative to make sure, and this is hard, especially at the times that we live right now because everybody's moving and going, but to make sure that you're taking time to pay attention to your child. Uh, Take time Mm -hmm. to, you know, have conversations with them, do um, activities with them, you know, um, whatever you can just to kind of keep a scope and keep an eye on their behavior or how they react to certain things. Um, Reactions can be heightened or dulled down at times because of sexual abuse. Um, Yeah, those are a few of the things that I've seen. And I think, too,
0: sometimes the parents need to make sure don't become so friendly with these people, maybe, you know, a babysitter or a child caregiver that you just ignore the warning signs or look for warning signs that you're so trusting with someone and constantly letting someone have your kids. I mean, I just, I just can't do that. I always tell my daughter, they got to the prove to me they earned my, they could have my kids. But see, I didn't send my kids. I was, I was too chicken. I, was, I wasn't sending my kids to different people's houses and letting them stay right. there overnight and things like that. But, you know, as I look back on it, I'm glad I did because
2: mm-hmm.
0: you never know who to trust even within your own family. And that's what we're finding out. I remember once it, I'm a baby boomer, and they used to have the advertisement "Stranger Danger: Don't Ride mm-hmm. with a Stranger." The stranger, and I'm mm-hmm. thinking, what do that stranger look like? It could be uncle, the mm-hmm. daddy, the grandma, or a friend in mm-hmm. the church, or someone mm-hmm. else in the mm-hmm. Girl Scouts, or even a priest. So the stranger right. they paint to be this boogeyman. And then this per- person that we trust and uh, the mama trusts them, daddy trusts them, is violating that trust.
1: Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Wow. Um, most of the times that people are being sexually abused, it is by someone that they know. It's rare that it's wow. by someone that they don't know. So um, Wow. one thing that's really important with your child um, is to make sure that you're having dialogue with them, that you're teaching them, that you're expressing and kind of um, talking to them as far as um, what's appropriate what does this look like and then always make sure too that you can you have a platform to where you can speak to your kid about anything because shame is so associated with child abuse because if you think about it the the sexual abuse doesn't always hurt the kid So then at times they're like, okay, well, it didn't feel so bad and their body's responding to what's happening to them. So then they're feeling like, A, it's their fault, or B, because it didn't hurt me necessarily. Um, Was it really that bad? Or now I'm in trouble because it didn't hurt. Or, you know, there's so many ways that a child's brain works. So you really, as a parent, want to make sure that you're having dialogue with your kid to talk to them about that. And then, depending on um i guess every kid don't be worried as far as telling them too much information at a young age i think that you know you need to talk to your kid about what what is sex at a at a good time i mean my daughter's 8 and we had that conversation with her when she was i believe she was 6 or 7 she was 6 and that conversation was had because of her experience and that conversation was right. had because she was She she needed to know what, why was that bad or what happened to her? Why is that need, you know, why do people do that, you know? And so we discussed those things. So don't be ashamed or afraid to, because if you open that dialogue for a kid early in life, you'll be able to keep that dialogue. It's hard to talk to a 14 or 15 year old about sex if this is your first time talking to them about it. You know, little nuggets here Mm -hmm. and there as far as a kid, you should set that platform early. So that dialogue is open so if there is anything that's happening or any inappropriate play even with other children, that platform is set for you guys to have those conversations.
0: Well, we're going to take a break here before we do give people information who maybe have some family members or have themselves wanting some help with you guys organization. give them the information how they can reach you for divine um, define with purpose.
1: Sure. So um, if you are interested in from volunteering to where you have kids that may need to go through our program or parents that need to go through our program, um, you can go to our website at defined, D-E-F-I-N-E-D, with purpose.com. You can reach us via phone at 404-707-4434 or you can email us at info at purpose.com.
0: All right. We'll be back on, on a break. You're on the D-Hour Network. This is Marsha Patterson with For Your Health, and we're with uh, Aaron and uh, Crystal Marshall, and we're talking about sexual abuse for young people as well as young adults. We'll be right back. So, Marshall, I just want to thank him for being on this show to educate us about sexual abuse for young children as well as young adults. And this is not only just physical, but also mental uh, part of how it destroys one's body. Because a lot of these young people, when they can't cope with the stress or the guilt or the shame or even the hurt that they've gone through with this mental sexual abuse, they turn to drugs and alcohol. Now, do you guys address those issues uh, for the younger ones? Like for the older ones, are they already taking that spiral um, climb down the drug and alcohol path?
1: So um, as far as drugs and alcohol, that's not usually something that we'll discuss um, some of our adolescents and younger. Um, But um, we do see that, as a pattern for some of our older um, mentors that come through. So, uh, or I'm sorry, mentees that come through. So we catch them at times to where they have experimented with drugs or they are drinking. But um, some of the things that we see the most um, uh, is um, it's going to be them um, working out as far, or I'm sorry, dealing with pornography, dealing with um, um, Cutting, dealing with suicide. We've had um, an eight-year-old who, unfortunately, was raped um, at the age, and she um, was suicidal. And you would think, why would an eight-year-old be worried about killing herself or not killing herself? And um, there's also a whole spiritual side that comes through when it comes to um, sexual abuse as well that they're battling. They're battling with why did it happen to them, and then they're so terrified that these people may come back to them, especially for the younger ones. So, um, But alcohol and um, drugs is something that happens a lot of times for some of the ones that have tried to cope, the ones that haven't discussed it with anyone before. Um, so, yeah, that's what that looks like.
0: So you deal with most of the women. I want to talk with your husband, Erin, uh, about the men, because when I was growing up, The parents would let the boys have free range. They would just go and travel, do what they want to do. You know, they can ride their bikes and, you know, they didn't have a tight rein on their sons like they did their daughters. And I truly believe we have to have a tight rein on our boys and well as our girls today because what I'm finding out, and I have some people I know who um, had sexual trauma as young men and they're now living, you know, a homosexual lifestyle because they had some sexual trauma. And I'm not saying all of them went that way, but a couple of them I talked to said they were molested as young men. And so I want to know, because, you know, with men, you think women are ashamed to say something. So how is a man going to say something, and how do you protect your young boys?
3: Right. Well, I mean, I think you hit it right on the head, uh uh, through the experiences I've had with mentoring uh, a lot of the young men and older men um, a, as I built relationship with them that's one of the things that has come out <laughs> um and it's a secret that they haven't told anybody i mean i mean just imagine you know you have this bravado this kind of uh prideful man type macho uh you know personality you're trying to Uh, portray. Meanwhile, you're fighting internally something that happened to you. You don't want to express that because you don't want anybody to question your sexuality. You don't want anybody to look at you in a certain way. So that stuff uh, just festers. So again, as my wife said, we just try to create a culture of, you know, don't feel shameful about it, but be willing to uh, express it and talk about it to gain healing because we found what just, uh, any sort of situation that someone is dealing with, the more you can discuss it and literally put it on a table, that's the start of uh, finding freedom and healing. Um, but it's getting our, our young men and our men in, in general to, to be willing to talk and express. Because, you know, as men, we're, we're told you don't talk about your feelings. Be a man, toughen it out. Um, that, <laughs> yes. That's the culture we, we grew up in. I mean, I, I remember growing up, that, that was a thing. Don't cry. Um, and how I expressed myself uh, was through through sports and just being physical. So now you're trying mm-hmm. to show this generation of, of young men and young boys that it's okay to verbally communicate how you feel. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with saying you're upset. Right. There's nothing with uh, coming out and saying if something happened to you. But we have to create a safe, um, and, and loving environment to do so, to give them that, that confidence to do it.
0: We have, we used to do Bible study several years back. My husband and I, when he was living, we did Bible study in our home, and we had one guy that used to come in, and he had 10 children. And I remember mm. my daughter and I were sitting there having a conversation with him. I'm like, wait a minute, why you got 10 kids, you know? And he kind of laughed, and he, he said, you know, I'm going to be honest. And he said this during the Bible study. Thing he says he was molested as a young boy, and his molester was constantly coming back after him. And he enjoyed it. He enjoyed telling me and telling my daughter that the sensation of being molested was better than a sensation than being a with a woman. And I'm Mm. like, really? I'm blown away. So we're listening to him tell us this, and he says. He wanted to fight this temptation because he knew he wasn't, he didn't want to be gay or he didn't want to live a lifestyle going with men. He wanted to be married. He wanted children and he wanted to have family. So he went out there with all these different women to prove to himself that he was a man. Mm
2: -hmm. Because,
0: I mean, we're baby boomers, you know, this is back in the 70s, you know, and 60s and the 70s. So, you know, none of this openness was too much open then like it is now. But he said, that's why I have 10 children, because I was proving myself. This is not who I am. I'm this, and I'm a man. I want children. I want this, and I want that. And I had never had someone describe it or say that to me or tell us in that way. But... um as I got older and have conversation with some of my friends who are gay, tell me what put you on this journey? Why are you on this journey? You know, uh, and most of them I've talked to, yes. Not a there's a couple of them that didn't, but most of them say, it was uh, the majority of them said yes. It was some sexual trauma they experienced as young boys, uh, either with a relative or someone they knew.
3: Uh, so it's funny you. you... You're, you're hitting it right kind of on the head, and, and that is a fair um, uh, kind of statement to say. I, I have a client, um, he's 34 years old or so, and, uh, you know, he's, he's dealing with uh, homosexuality. And at first, through conversation, you know, that certain things didn't come out. But, again, as you build relationship and there's a level of comfort, he eventually – came out and, and stated that when he was younger, he was. And what you hit on the head is, is is kind of spot on. A lot of times there's this kind of moment of confusion, and it's not necessarily they kind of know 100% kind of uh, what they're looking for, what they want. They're just trying to kind of get a sense of that feeling. What is that feeling? And, and they're going back to that You know, so if they get by a a man who touched their private part in a way that that's what they're that's what they're gravitating to. And that's what my wife was saying, that sort of to kind of like spiritual connection of, you know, I'm relating to that spirit. I'm relating to that act. I'm relating to that situation. And you'll find that a lot of times, you know, those who are battling homosexuality whether male or female, have had some significant uh, uh, sexual abuse trauma when they were younger, you know, and, and not all, but there's a high right, percentage, right, number right. of those who have. So. Right.
0: There's a book called The Adversary written by Mark Dubat, and it's a Christian book, and he said that we, all of us are battling three spirits, the flesh, the world, and the devil. And the mm. flesh to me is just running rampant and it's coming at us in so many different forms and a way that I just feel like we as a society are losing because, I mean, Christ overcame the flesh on the cross. And he told us to pick up our cross daily and it's becoming a battle. But I truly believe when you take the time to reach these young people at a young age to get them to know that they can heal, they can heal and um, go through this process and say, it's not you. You don't allow that spirit or that energy that will defile you or to make you feel ugly. It's not you. And so to take time, so then you can stop some of these young people from going down that black hole of prostitution or uh, uh, drugs or alcohol or suicide when you can get them to heal and healing is so important mm-hmm.
3: right right and, and get them to gain a different perspective um, as you were talking i, I rec- you know I, I think of romans eight and five um and i'm gonna just paraphrase but it's you know uh, if you operate of things of the flesh you will operate in the flesh if you operate in things of yes. the spirit you will be spirit-filled and spirit-led. And you have all these young people nowadays with social media, and it's so easy to get pornography on your phone or computer and, um, you know, conversations that's being had. All that is perpetuating uh, things of the flesh. So they're constantly getting that stuff daily, daily with video games and what they're watching on YouTube and TV, and that, that stuff is constantly being fed to them through their eye gates, ear gates, and even their their conversations, their mind gates, that stuff is constantly building. I mean, how can you ever fight against it where that's all that's being fed to you, and now you have people around you who you may trust, a relative or something, telling you something as well. It's like it's hard to kind of combat that. So that's why it's important for – that's why we love what we do, because we get to give them a different perspective. We can speak life into them. We can – tell them to, you know, get them to understand their value and and understand what true character is and that if you have been abused, you can overcome that. Um, And and we just want to love on them and let them know that it's it's something different. It is something different. You do not have to, uh, the enemy (laughs) wants to set you up for for failure and to hold you back, but we want to speak life and say, God has a different plan and purpose. No matter what happened to you, he could turn around for your good. Just like We've seen with our daughter, uh, we believe that that's the case for every single person, whether they've been abused sexually, abused verbally, or been abused uh, mentally and emotionally. There's healing, there's deliverance, and then there's a purpose for your life. Yes, 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 yes.
0: And not only that, you're teaching them how to love. Sometimes we've been, the, 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 the emotional people think sex and touching in that type of way is not love, that's lust. That's the wrong you know what I'm saying. So giving them that true love, when someone genuinely loves you, they spending time with you, they they sewing into you, you know, and lifting you up and making you feel beautiful and giving you a purpose and giving you a life that kind of breathe into. you, That's real love. And a lot of times we get the L, the two Ls mixed up. You know, it's not the lust, it's the love. And it's the love of Christ. And because of you guys have that genuine love for each other, it can flow out to other young people. And then loving your daughter and knowing what she's gone through. And, I mean, Crystal just made chills down my back, and I wanted to cry when she was saying how her daughter went in there and ministered <laughs> to that little girl and was out. And I'm like, oh, God. we got so many kids that's hurting. And, you know, when you hurt, what well, do you do? You turn around and hurt other people.
2: Because,
0: Bye. and we want to stop that pain because our communities and so many families are in pain, we just need to know how to stop that pain and, and and love stops it they don't they don't take a gun, you know everybody want to be with a gun on their hip and stuff No, it takes love, love is more powerful than any weapon here on earth, so I um, commend yeah, you guys on what you're doing and how you're doing it because we need it, we need this so much. And you're here in Atlanta too, right?
3: Yes, yes. We're in uh, Lawrenceville, okay. Georgia. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. Now, how often do you meet with the young people? If the people can outside people that want to step up and say, I want to be a part of this, I want to learn, or do you look for volunteers that come in and help you and you train them to do what you guys do? Or is it just you guys, or do you have a, a group of other people coming in behind you?
3: No, we we have uh, you know interns. We have people that come in and volunteer, and we'll work with our mentees, people who we are mentoring throughout the week and on Saturdays. But those who want to get connected and, and be a part of the organization, we do volunteer training. Um, they go. We basically, and it's kind of interesting. We they go through the six six week process that uh, our our mentees go through. And what you'll find a lot of times is even in the workshops, there's people who are coming to volunteer, but what they don't realize is that they're they're coming in for healing and stuff too. We've had people come in to volunteer wow. and go through the that our mentees go through, and it, it, they'll wind up revealing that they've dealt with some sort of, even if it isn't sexual abuse, it could have been verbal abuse or it could have been a bad mm-hmm. relationship that they haven't healed from. But they get to a place of healing because we want everybody to be at a place where whatever it is you are doing, what you are healed from, so that now you can help and love on others and help them heal. So they, they, anyone that wants to sort of volunteer, they can. we'll meet with them, interview them, and take them through the six-week uh, workshop.
0: Wow, wow. And a lot of times, sometimes some people have suppressed things so deep down that it's not until they get into a workshop or get in, uh, start reflecting on some things that, resurrect itself.
3: absolutely and, and one thing we found too and we've seen it you know uh, through our organization and, and even in the church sometimes we'll have we'll, we'll, we'll know the problem so we'll, it'd it be a surface thing we'll say someone's dealing with depress, depression anxiety suicidal thoughts but sometimes we, we got to get to the root of things um, someone who's angry or bitter or in a depressed state, Um, that's not the N-R-B-R. There's something probably deeper. And what that workshop does is it gets to the roots. (laughs) You just be surprised when when people, you you start talking about being vulnerable and being open and transparent. You talk about, uh, you know, value. And and you just start to talk about these different topics. I mean, that stuff kind of boils in people and then they want to get it out. And you'll find that the stuff that they were dealing with, that they were silent about, You start to get to the root of it. And then that's, as I said before, as they uh, talk about it and put it on the table, that's when they start to find healing and and deliverance and and freedom. Wow.
0: And we all need that. We all need deliverance and freedom. And learning how to forgive forgive ourselves because sometimes she said we blame ourselves and we think we're the reason or we're the cause behind this or what's happening to us. All right, I have a caller here. Has a question? Hold on here. Let me check and see. Hello, caller. You have a question for our guest?
4: Hi. How are you all today?
0: I'm doing good. I'm mm-hmm. doing good. This is Marsha. where so- you're calling from. This is Marsha from Mississippi. Yes.
4: yes. And um, okay, I was just calling I'm so enjoying the show. Listening to Crystal and Erin is such a hot topic for, for this type of season of, the, of our time and life. So it's awesome to hear them.
0: Yes, it is, and it is. And, you know, we have so many people, prominent people, with money. And just like uh, Crystal said, it costs every spectrum of the line, from income to race. I was just reading about um, the Native Americans sexual abuse is real rampant on the uh, reservations and that, you know, they're not sitting there getting any justice and a lot of those children in those uh, reservation camps are being sexual abused in large numbers. So, yeah, and I think more we talk about it and and make it known, and then have a safe place like what uh, Crystal and Erin is doing, I think that would make it, you know, where can I turn to, you know, is there a place I can go? Because a lot of times you don't know because, you know, it's not advertised. Where can I go to get help?
4: Well, I'm just glad that there are more people that are are, are searching out places to go and that there are places like defined with purpose that do have that purpose in mind and are really doing what they say they're doing. Uh, I know I've been through sexual abuse to myself and family, and uh, so I know what it feels like, and you don't feel like you can tell anybody, so they're so on target about what they're saying, and I didn't come forth until I was 33 years old to tell my story, yeah. so I'm just, you know, because of the shame and everything, and, and I've witnessed their program, their, their ministry, and it's so awesome because... They are really reaching young women and young men who are who are, who just been through some trauma and stuff. And, and their workshops are set up so that you really do walk through it. And they, they, have, um, they have the mindset of ministry, too, that is, that is so powerful. And I'm, I'm excited about it. I just pray other people will donate to it because it does take money to run nonprofits, and I'm aware of that also. So I just and, – and, and I hear they're having a fashion show in Atlanta. And so I'm trying to get to Atlanta to go to the fashion shows. I expect to see these people from listening to this radio talk to just come up. Even if you come up and say, "Hey, Crystal," "Hey, Erin," hey, we heard you on the radio, or oh, "Hey, <laughs> Mark,"
0: oh, so that is great. That is great. That is great. Thank you. To to I I tomorrow. can't hear you. They kind of the, the mic is kind of is this Erin or Crystal speaking? Which one is speaking now? Um, we're here. We weren't speaking. We were listening. Okay, okay, great, great, great. But, you know, um, Crystal and Aaron, please give us information because Marsha just said something that's very important. You are a nonprofit, and you guys need financial support to continue to do what you're doing, to be able to help these young people and to help others. So if people want to donate, help you guys out, give us some information again on that.
1: So, um, yes, we are a nonprofit organization. So as far as uh, donations and if you're looking or interested in um, donating um, even your time, but um, finances as well, um, you can go to our website, definedwithpurpose.com, and uh, we have a donate button there, a donate page. You can kind of see on our website as well the breakdown of what it looks like and what it costs to put a kid through therapy or to – put a kid through mentorship or to pay for legal fees for a kid, and that's all broken down um, on our donate page. So if you are interested in donating, we would so appreciate it um, because we want to not only make sure that we're helping these kids, but we want to get them the best help. We don't want to just get a therapist. We want to get a great licensed, certified therapist that can speak on their behalf when they're too young to you know, um, go to court for themselves or, a, uh, or an attorney that's going to be able to keep them away from the perpetrator if there's no um, a criminal case that's being um, said because there wasn't enough evidence. So we want to make sure that we're not only, um, you know, just getting them some help, but we're getting them the best help. Because most people, again, can't afford um, the process in which it would take to keep a child safe and keep them away from sexual abuse. Like I said before, I'm with my daughter. It cost us over $250,000 in the course of a year and a half from therapy and from legal fees to keep her safe. um, Because the perpetrator was someone, it was her father. So um, because it was her father, he had custody over her at times and there wasn't enough evidence because of her age to say that there was a criminal case there. So because it wasn't, we had to go civil to keep her safe. And I was a single mom. I didn't have that money. I had to get that money from my family and my parents helped me. And thank you, God. And I love my parents because they helped so much. And not everybody has $250,000 sitting in their bank account. And that's the reason we cover therapy fees and legal fees. And like I said before, God made it very evident when I was walking through this that I was walking through it to help others. And so every time I found a place where I needed help, that's where we needed to help someone else. So, yes, we definitely need financial support. We need help because we have to help these babies.
0: And, you know, you've taken this journey, so, therefore, you can take their hand and you know the road, the blocks, and things that they're going to be confronted with legally, emotionally, because you've taken that journey. So, And I think that would help people knowing someone's walking alongside you and you're not alone and you're not by mm-hmm. yourself and and you can share your pain and your struggles with someone that sincerely knows what you're going through. So I think I just applaud you guys and what you're doing. So um, we're going to take another break and then we're going to come back and talk about the fashion show, so what you guys got planning, all right? So we'll be right back on the DR Network. This is Marsha Thatterson. For your help, and tonight we're with Aaron and Crystal Marshall with Define with the Purpose. free. blessed tonight to have uh, Erin and uh, Crystal Marshall on Defined with Purpose is an organization and she also has No More Secrets it's about sexual abuse and being able to put back that fear of life and gift that God has initially given our children and sometimes we have unfortunately our parents or some friends or neighbors that try to rob that innocence from us but you know I thank you guys for what you're doing and trying to bring back the healing, uh, allowing these people to know they can heal and have a purpose in a life. And even their story, like your daughter's story, is helping someone else. And that means a lot to know that they're not alone.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, we're really excited to be able to turn around some of the negative and bad that the devil meant to help others. So we're yeah. super grateful mm-hmm. for that. Yeah. Now, fashion,
0: seeing that you're, you're a model, tell us about the fashion show you guys are planning, and when is it going to be, and give us all the details.
3: Uh, so this upcoming Saturday, uh, November 3rd at 7, we have a fashion show. It will be uh, at the Mason Fine Art Gallery um in Atlanta uh it's a great event my wife has done a, a phenomenal job uh she's put this on year in and year out um and just draw a lot of different people from a lot of different backgrounds all with the heart to just be willing to help so if you're in Atlanta or in the surrounding areas and you want to come and just uh, partake in a fashion show we'll have uh vendors um uh, you know, selling their different product will have opportunities for you to win prizes um, and to donate. Um, again, it's a, it's a uh, just a great cause, great event. And her um, agency that she's a part of, they'll, they'll be donating models to uh, auction off uh, some, some great clothing lines. So it's just going to be a great night, great event.
0: So, how much is the ticket going? Where's the location for the uh, the fashion show? The location.
1: So the location is at Mason Fine Art Gallery, and that is um, the address is 415 Plasters Avenue in Atlanta. Um, the zip is 30324. So that is where the fashion show is going to be, and um, I'm really excited about it. Um, like I say, it's really. Amazing to be able to collide both of my worlds, my heart, and for helping kids that have been sexually abused, and then also the side of fashion, which is kind of the lighter, funner side. So um, that's really exciting to see um, the models from MP Model Management. Um, They'll be wearing clothes from Tootsie's store uh, boutique, and we also have male Mm -hmm. models this year. So something that we didn't tell you previously is that um, we just started taking young men. So we started taking young men this past August. And so now we're super excited to be able to incorporate male models in our fashion show this year. So we'll be um, showing showcasing clothes from Guffy's Boutique as well, um, which is a men's store. And so I'm really excited to be able to see how this event is going to take place. And like my husband said, we have silent auction items. Um, we have vendor tables in different places and um, vendors that are going to be showcasing their products as well um, there. Um, We'll have um, drinks that are going to be served. Uh, We'll be having um, um, cocktails and um, hors d'oeuvres being served as well. We'll have a photo booth there. It's just going to be a really fun night to dress up, be fancy, but also have a great time for a great cause.
0: Wow. That is really good. Now. The young women and men that you're working with, either with No More Secrets or defined with Purpose, are they in the fashion show? Are they hands-on with what you're doing or no? Or is it just someone else coming in as the models? So you said you have some models from an organization that you work with, but do the young people that you're mentoring through these crises, are they participating in the fashion shows too?
3: They, they won't be modeling off the coast, but they will be. We have some who have uh, gone through the healing process, and they will be uh, giving um, you know, testimonials and speeches uh, about what wow. they've overcome and how the organization has helped them. So that's one of the big parts of the night that we're excited about for uh, those who have gone through something, who have found healing and they're on the other side who can speak out and share their story. So we're, we're truly excited about that.
0: Yeah. Cause that would elevate their self-worth and uh, take them to a level that, you know, they probably would never been there if they had not had the help with your organization or with other women around them that's in that organization and give them that support that they need, which I think is great because I can't even imagine, you know, you know how it's a little kid, You know, my dad never sang to us. All he had to do was raise his Mm -hmm. voice, and we were trembling, okay? Mm -hmm. So I can't imagine as a child the fear of these adults messing with you. You know, your heart about in your throat. You're fearful. And I can't imagine how scared a kid can be, and they have no one to turn to to help. So I just applaud what you're doing. We want people to be able to support your organization so we can support this healing process at a young age for these kids to know mm-hmm. that they can heal or even stop mm-hmm. it because if if we don't stop it, whatever someone abused someone else's, they're going to turn around and do it to someone else again.
2: Yeah.
3: Yeah. And, and I, and I just want to add Go ahead. No, 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 I was just saying, I mean, you're so right. Um, and I didn't mention either. though, you were asking if some of Uh, The young people are going to be telling our story. Um, This is going to be the first time publicly in this kind of setting that uh, our daughter, um, through my wife, will be able to share her story uh, to people. So she came to my wife and said, Mommy, I I want to tell my story. So they talked it through, and and she's telling her story. So another aspect of just excited about that, that she's willing to, you know, be at a place of healing and strength to be able to stand in front of people and, and tell her story.
0: Hello? Yeah, and that just sends chills down my back. Every time I think about it, just sends chills down my back because she can do that, and she's eight <laughs> years old. I mean, that's powerful. And that just shows you how she's been elevated. You don't build that pillar of strength and that home for her to stand on that she's not, she's not afraid anymore. She's not moved. She's moved to take action, not to move to run and be fearful because mm-hmm. – one thing I was nice. listening to another lady, name is Lauren Book and she, Book, I think is her name, and she was sexually abused. And she said she had the three F going on in her life. She said one thing she learned about people who had been sexually abused: either they fight, flight, meaning run or freeze. Mm-hmm. And she told, mm-hmm. chose to. She was she was frozen in that state because she was so shocked it was happening to her. She didn't know how to mm-hmm. move, so she was stuck there, in that spot mm. of being abused mentally and emotionally. She could not move, get past it. And some mm-hmm. people, you know, they fight. They stand up and they, I'm gonna, I'm not going to take this. I'm not going to be a victim. And some people have that in them. So, you know, mm-hmm. some people just run. They try to run mm-hmm. and keep going and act like it never exists. And um, you guys giving people that space. They either do one or the other, but you want them to help unfreeze themselves and so they can move on Mm -hmm. and stop running and face it and realize that this don't define you and you don't have to run and hide from it anymore. So, you know, I I I just applaud you guys. I just thank you so much.
1: Now, how much are the tickets for the fashion show? So the tickets right now are $60. So we're rolling into our last week right now, and, the tickets um, are now $60, and you can purchase them on our website at definedwithpurpose.com. Okay.
0: Now, is this the only fundraising you have? Is it just a fashion show that you do? This is like a gala type of thing once a year?
1: So this is our third annual show. This is our big fundraiser. And so we do little things here and there within the community. But this is our one big show that we do and big event that we do to raise awareness to um bring in uh finances to the organization. And it's also just you know, it's fun to be able to Oh sure. Be able to kind of, you know, take a breath and breathe and enjoy a night, you know. So
2: yeah.
0: Now, Erin, uh, with the men, how are you reaching the men? Are the men, how are the men coming to you on, on the sexual abuse thing? Are they being referred to you, or, or that's kind of like uh, a word of mouth? People are just coming forward. Because they tend to be more standoffish and not be able to come to the table and kind of share like we women, because we like to tell sometimes.
3: <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, similar to. Um... Uh, The the women uh, and the young girls Through word of mouth, through the church Um, But uh, I have another Avenue, I'm a personal trainer So I'm around that bravado (laughs) Day in and day out um, You know, in in a gym Setting where, you know, either through clients Or just young guys Who I interact with uh, Just building relationship and Having conversation, they just Kind of start to open up and they learn What I I do, what my wife does And and they want to kind of see what it's about and kind of be a part of it for their own reasons, whether for themselves or somebody that they know.
0: Wow. Wow. Now, have you guys thought about doing a documentary or uh, some DVDs and
1: stuff like that so other people can get a hold of the
0: process, people's story of healing and
1: what they've gone through? You know, I've honestly, it's crossed my mind, but I know that it's sensitive considering that, you know, it's, my child, <laughs> and so I definitely oh. want to make sure that, um, you oh, know, yeah, that feeling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, really... just... I'm sorry, right. right?
3: Yeah,
0: I was thinking about the the group and whole, not just your child, but
1: oh, the group okay. itself. Yeah, yeah, no, and and I think, think it would kind of it would kind of go all together because I know that timing is so important. And honestly, if I can just be transparent with you regarding the organization, we've been under the radar a lot. We've worked diligently. We've worked hard. And I feel like now is the season where everything is just like we built that foundation in ground significantly. And so now is the time where the organization, I feel, is branching out and making more connections within the community and, um, being, right, out and being a right. part of everything because um, I didn't know it at the time, but that those roots had to be so implanted for the organization to be able to be sustainable throughout whatever comes. And so the past eight years, we've been doing that. And so now at that time that we're rising up and that we're in the forefront and that people are hearing about us. that So I don't see that being something that will not happen. I definitely think it would be something that will happen in the future um, just because right, it's so right and even right now with our roots being so grounded and that now we're budding out now we're you know we're breaking ground but it also was so perfect as far as what's going on now in the world so God's plan and his timing couldn't have been any more perfect you know as far as people finding out about us and people needing this because it's now coming out like again you hear on the news almost daily about some sexual abuse or rapes or uh, whatever that may look like and then also the movements that are coming out. So, so yeah, documentaries, I'm sure. <laughs> I love it. I love, I
0: love what you guys are doing. We're going to take another break, and uh, we'll be right back. We're going to finish up with some more um, and see if Marcia has any more questions. But if you guys want to share with us what you think we should know in looking out for these type of people, what type of uh, characteristic or mannerism or is there kind of like a a blueprint of kind of looking at some of the things that let us know that we, our child may be in danger of of someone being a sexual predator. So we'll be right back for that answer. You're on the D-Hour Network. This is Marsha Thadison with For Your Health. Hi, hey, you're on the D-Hour Network. This is Margaret Patterson with For Your Health. We're back with uh, Crystal and Erin Marshall with Define with Purpose and No More Secrets. Um, I'm going to go back to the question I asked you before this show. Is there some way we and I, I know it's kind of hard, and I know with your baby father there's no way you probably would have seen any warning signs or things that you would have had the red flag go up on you for them or did you, or there's some there or you didn't see it.
1: You know, um, regarding um, her father and I, we were not together um, when I found out about the sexual abuse. We were never married. So once I had her, Um, I moved away because he was unfortunately abusive to me, and I didn't want my daughter to go through that as a lifestyle. So um, as I moved away and began my own life, my daughter would go visit him. So I didn't have much interaction with him um, to see if there were any signs or anything like that. Um, But I guess one thing that I can say, and this is just a plug as far as something that God has shown me, after the fact, is um, having sex before marriage. Um, It clogs your vision so much because you can't see who you're really with, you know. And so through that process of um, sleeping with him, I wasn't able to see his true character or I I was blinded at times um, just because of the way that God intended sex to be, it's to bring people closer together, you know, in marriage. And so um, I was doing that outside of marriage. And so I didn't really see the nature or his true character or the things that I would have caught now, you know, as I've developed my relationship with God and have grown and matured, um, those things would have probably not gotten by me as much as it did beforehand. So as far as his character and and the way that he portrayed himself previously, I missed those things. So um, right,
0: but and I think I we all, say, you know, we all been, we've all done some things, you know, sex before marriage, the whole bit, you know. I'm look, I'm a baby boomer, you know, the '60s and the '70s, free love, get it, you know, that was it, you know. But uh-huh. when you come right. to walk with him and you come to know who he is, when you know right, you do right, you know, you know better, you do better. right. and right, know, absolutely. Important. And when we learn how to do that, and when you, once you learn, you're responsible for what you're learning. You know, once Absolutely. you got that information, you got that knowledge of what's right and what's wrong spiritually as well as physically. You better obey. Mm-hmm. You better, obey. <laughs> you better right. obey. Right. So I, I truly understand. I truly understand. But do some of the parents or some of the other families say, you know, I, I. Mm-hmm. In my gut, I was seeing this, and I I missed it or I ignored it. Is there
1: anything? No one was. So there are um, a few different kinds of predators that um, we see uh, that poor defined with purpose, and then I'll discuss kind of some of my experiences and some of the things that I've seen that people have not only um, said this was going on, but also just even through research, um, but a few of the things that you can kind of be aware of or be cautious of as a parent would be, um, let's say, for instance, if you're in a um, family environment and there's always one family member just kind of straying away and going to talk to the kids or, you know, separating himself from the adults or the people that are of age and goes to the younger kids, I would definitely be cautious, whether it's a man or a woman, you want to just kind of, Fill that out, or kind of see what that looks like um also to um someone that is um grooming a child, and what that looks like is that a uh, predator never just goes or they usually don't just go and touch the private parts of a little kid um it'll be them getting comfortable with the hand or the touch of a um of a person, for instance, let's say a little girl. Um, And their uncle, for instance, the uncle would just continue to touch the shoulder or caress the shoulder or put them on their lap or, you know, kind of rub their arms so the kid gets used to that hand touching them. So then when it goes to the inappropriate places, it's like, oh, you know, it's not as foreign or just as scary. So even just the touching um, that's overly excessive um, is one of those things that I would definitely uh, be cautious of. As
0: a, we have, Marcia has another question. I'm going to bring her on. Marcia, you have a question for uh, Crystal.
4: Yes, I
2: do. Um, Crystal,
4: in doing in putting, putting it forth so that you all have a, the 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 accomplishments that, that were made, and my question is: with the nonprofit, did you were you able to get money quickly to, to be able to land your, your nonprofit in the area where you wanted to land it as far as it moving in progression. That's one question. The second question is what is your budget for next year that you're trying to raise and, and why is that the figure? What, what does that entail as, as far as legal fees and, you know, so that we get an understanding as, as to what this fundraiser really
1: means? Okay, so the first question question I wasn't able to really hear clearly, Um, but the second question I can answer, and I think that we can um, possibly go back to the first question, but the second question as far as the budget for next year. um, Next year we have big plans. We want to eventually get a safe house for the children, and I would like to start either breaking ground on that or, you know, finding a building uh, to where we can have a safe house. Um, We also want to, at times, um, be able to transport some of our kids to and from the organization or their therapy appointments or um, or to their um, attorneys because um, sometimes the families that we see, they can't afford those things. So um, to continue to do what we do as well as to move forward and expand, our budget for next year is about $685,000. So if we're able to reach that goal, we have a lot that we can accomplish within that time. So I would be excited for that. (laughs) But yeah, I love the
0: idea of a safe house. I think that is so. I mean, I think I pray that you guys get above what you need to do that because to be able to put those kids in a place where they can be feel safe and go to sleep and not worry about someone
1: touching them or
0: hurting them. I think that's an excellent idea. I love that idea.
1: Thank you. Yeah, and the idea behind the safe house as well is because, um, for instance, if there is no criminal charges that are um, posed, the kid will have to go back to where the, for instance, if where the, the disclosure was made. They'll have to go back to that home. And so if there's not a proper place for them to go to be removed, they'll have to go to foster care or even at times um, juvenile group homes. because there's no place for kids that are being sexually abused and it's, you know, in the middle for them to go. And so the safe home where we envision for the final purpose to have would have a place of safety, a place of peace and joy and laughter, even in this traumatic time in this kid's life, a um, place to where they can get mentorship, their therapists can come there and work with them. But it's a place that's clean and some places even hopefully um, had the vision of a place that they've never been before. You know, a place where they don't want to leave necessarily once you know everything is done. So that's kind of what that looks like. But um, yeah,
0: that's what we're looking forward to. Wow.
1: Now you know, I was looking. I have
0: another question too because okay. Now I know sexual abuse uh, does does not always leave a physical uh, a, a psychological scar on some people. It may be physical where you think people are cutting themselves uh, or some people may be uh, using cuts and bruises on themselves but i was hearing but some other women who had been sexually abused having a hard time um having babies or being pregnant or the fertility problem was a big thing what did mm-hmm. you find of that going on with some of the ladies cuz the, the genitals were damaged
1: from the abuse especially if they were young young ladies you know, that hasn't been something yet that we've experienced at the organization. Uh, but I do know with uh, sexual assault, especially rape and uh, molestation and different things, that that can absolutely damage your uh, reproductive organ. So um, awesome. that's one of those things that, you know, we pray for. Um, one of the things that we have to do at Define With Purpose is make sure that we're praying for our kids that are coming through there. Um, because we don't mm-hmm. want it to leave, you know, physical Um, scars but also mental either you know and so I believe in miracles I believe in God's hand touching these kids and so if that is ever something that we run into we're going to pray that they're not having to worry about that as an adult because of the selfish act of someone when they were a child so I can't say that we've necessarily ran into that but if we do believe that we're on our knees praying so amen amen
0: girl and you know prayer moves mountains you know that it moves absolutely. mountains
3: yes
0: yeah. now absolutely anything else you guys want to leave us with um about what you're doing um why you're doing it and what what if you when you leave this show today what do you want the people to take away from everything that you and your hubby and husband is doing for this organization
1: um, one thing that I did want to kind of discuss uh, really quick or have my husband discuss actually was um, child-on-child sexual abuse as well. And that's one of those things that we don't consider or think about as adults, but children can abuse other children as well.
3: So, And it's so important to kind of be on the, not kind of, but be on the lookout um, for uh, young people that your child is uh, friends with or playing with, uh, whether it's friends from school, friends in the neighborhood, cousins. Yes. <laughs> you know, yes. People, people, and just be mindful of, you know, them playing behind closed doors. You want to keep an open door sort of policy in your home to where they're playing, and mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. but also be mindful of, like, them playing under covers and be mindful of video games they're watching, uh, YouTube videos mm-hmm. they're watching. Things like yeah. literally, like you just have to just be monitoring and mindful, um, and even looking at. I, I know this may sound strange, but patterns of how their friends are and the significant amount of times they, they'll come to the door to ask them to play and stuff. Just uh, for example, we had a recent thing. I, I noticed that one of uh, our, our daughter's friends, her her older brother, was coming to get her to play. So as a father, you see that. So I just what? Uh, spoke with, my wife. yeah, I spoke with my wife. I mean, it's just, I don't know. We need to have just a conversation. I don't know what's going on, but we, I think we need to sit our daughter down and just have dialogue. So we did. And I spoke to her, I said, Hey, you know, what's going on with this? Has anything ever happened? And, you know, nothing, you know, sort of major happened, but it was, uh, at times, uh, wrestling that made her feel uncomfortable so because you, you you're having that dialogue she feels open and free to express what happened and now you can talk to her now just you know you gotta let him know if you're not comfortable and here's a way you can go about that if he doesn't uh stop you know you you push him off uh and then if that doesn't help you go to his mom and get her involved and if that doesn't you come to us but you're having that dialogue. So as parents, you have to really be mindful and aware and just not overlook anything. You know, you don't want to, I'm not telling anyone to go uh, kind of super crazy and just be, you know, not allow your kid to be a kid, but at the same time, you've got to protect our young people. you got to protect our children.
0: I agree. I agree. Now I have one more question I was thinking, because usually once the kids are pretty much innocent, they're not having this drive for sex. Or even thinking about sex into someone's Pandora box on their on inside their body, now do they start having you know the craving for sex or feeling like or having to do that kind of thing? So I don't know if these young kids are trying to masturbate or do what they're trying to do, you know, because they've been exposed to this at a young age, do you guys talk about that because you know as me and you know I'm thinking sometimes I think maybe I should take foster kids in. But then I'm thinking, wait, wait a minute, I don't know what these kids have been through before. i would be bringing people into your home, and we just want to make sure the energy and the things that they're going through that you're aware of it and how to deal with it. So have we talked about that, seeing that they've been introduced to sex, that maybe they're masturbating or doing stuff that normal kids at their age because they haven't been in touch or introduced to that feeling or sensations?
3: and through our, our workshop we, we part of our workshop we talk about uh pornography and masturbation and we find what a lot of young people there is a curiosity sometimes um they it, you know if we can be a little trans, open and transparent and blunt like you know they'll like for the young guys they'll get an erection but they don't know what that is until they're actually kind of exposed and shown that part of Uh, you know, in terms of sex and pornography. And I'll just give an example. You deal with a young man who was playing his video game and an ad for, for pornography came up for a specific game and he's curious and he clicks on it. All of a sudden it opens up this door to like, wait a minute, I've had this feeling. And he connects that feeling to now what he's seeing on his tablet or laptop or computer. And all of a sudden it, takes him down this this negative road of, you know, maybe touching himself or trying to act out what he saw in the video or whatever he watched or came across uh, with, with, you know, anything that looks like, you know, what he saw on, on the video. So that, that's another thing to kind of be aware of, another thing that we see through working through our young people in our organization.
0: I know my gr- my granddaughter and I was doing a project, a science for one of her school. Um, I, I, it had to do with the anatomy of the body, and oh my god, we typed I forgot I don't know what she brought typed in. I don't we just, I forgot what part of the body we were working on, but we got pornography, we got all this stuff, and I told don't click on that. I don't want the FBI <laughs> watching child not to feel. <laughs> <laughs> linking our but
2: computers that, in that Don't click on that. Don't click well, on that. I mean, you know,
3: but <laughs> you have to so, be careful nowadays. Though you do, you have to be careful. You click an innocent okay. word, something else pops up, or you play a game, or you, you're watching, uh, you're trying to get to a show or uh, watch a game on your computer or whatever it may be, and an ad pops up. And for a, a yeah. young kid, you know, like if I see it, I hardly ever try to click. I'm like, what in the heck? But you get a young guy, <laughs> a young boy, young girl who a ad pops up and they get curious and they click on it now their life is forever changed so that's why as, as me, parents
0: and, yes and let me tell you I was at a um I was posted with the fire station where it was E-point fire station had a health and wellness for young people and we were supposed to I was supposed to talk about food and nutrition and the first part of it was talking about sex and it had the young people talking about sex I never got the chance to speak on food and nutrition because we got to talking about sex, and these kids were from the ages 11 on up. (laughs) I couldn't get a word in because Mm. they were talking about doing things in groups and all this kind of stuff. I was blown away. Wow. Because our kids are exposed to stuff. I'm like, really? We having this conversation?
3: It was deep. (laughs) Yeah. They're being exposed at an early age. That's why what my wife said earlier is so important. You, As parents, like we grew up in an era where, you know, kind of sex and, and those conversations about masturbation were, were sort of taboo. But times have changed, and through, again, social media and phones and tablets and iPads, that, that stuff opens up a world to ha- have these young people have access to the stuff that, you know, Maybe, you know, your generation and our generation just didn't have access to, so you can't be afraid to have conversation uh, with with your young kids about that stuff because they're going to learn about it one way or another, but why not kind of build that trust and that open dialogue um, and, and just that openness to discuss it with them yourself, you know?
0: Marcia, you have another comment you want to share with us? I, um, I want
4: to ask Erin and Crystal, what is the um, likelihood of, well, I know the pornography is very addictive. once, and it only takes one time to see it, and, and you become addicted to it. The other question is when you are working with the young people, are you seeing sexting being a part of that behavior that that's taken on because of sexual abuse?
1: So um, you kind of, from my experience, um, I can't say it's overall, you do see um, um, text messages and um, images and different things being sent out um, just because of the lack of understanding of value because of sexual abuse. For instance, um, there's times where kids may be shown this is how you love through a sexual act or anything like that. So as the kid grows up a little bit or finds somebody that they're interested in, that's the way that they show their love, and that does come through sending pornography or pornographic pictures through text messages. Um, So, yeah, you do see a correlation between those two. Um, But I can tell this story that I remember – it was um, maybe two years ago at our organization, um, some, and this is when we only had girls. Um, a few of the girls went to the same school, and they came to me back, and they were like, oh, my gosh, Krista, this is what's going on at our school. And I was like, what happened? So some of the girls at the school had sent um, nude pictures to some of the guys on the football team at the school. And so when they did that, the guys on the football team started selling the pictures to other people. And so, um, because of the work that I do, I am a mandated reporter. And I told the girls, I was like, "Wow, this is, you know, crazy. We have to report this." And I'm, I'm sorry, but I have to report it. So, the so football team got busted for child pornography
2: because
1: they were selling and texting um, pictures that were going on. So, it seems, and the unfortunate part is because they're they're so young, you know, the, these are high school boys that. They think it's something that's funny or they think it's something that, hey, look at this, but they don't understand the ramifications that it can have on a person whose picture it is, and they don't understand that they can get in trouble for, you know, selling and distributing um, child pornography. So, Isn't that a federal It is. It absolutely is. So um, it's just unfortunate because of our, sometimes at times, our actions that we don't realize are important or um, that it's not a big deal because everything is so downplayed at times, so it's not a big deal, but they don't realize that their whole futures are in jeopardy because of one bad choice. So um, texting, sexting, all of that um, really can have a tremendous impact on our kids.
3: And that's one thing we try to teach our young men, um, that you may not know what another person is dealing with. So, if you are aggressively going at someone or sexting or pictures, you're basically aiding in abuse, you know, and that's why it's so important to kind of understand who you are so that you have more of a level of sensitivity mm-hmm. when you're dealing with another woman and, and treating her with value and respect and um, all that stuff because you don't know who, what a, a young woman or anybody is going through. So you want to handle, handle with care.
0: And you know, especially our young men, and you know, um, being accused of rape or sexual assault or touching a woman or playing with her, keep your hands to yourself. And you know, I right. I know you guys saw the news where this little boy went into the um, store and his book bag brushed up against this lady, and she yeah. went to screaming that he sexually assaulted her, and instantly I thought about Emma appeal. And how many other people were lynched and killed over the years. And But, you know, these young men, you know, take those pictures from these young girls and send them pictures like, it's a federal sin. And, no, it is. Uh, we have to warn them and educate them to, you know, don't let that flesh get you in trouble. Because it will if you don't change it. And I remember at the workshop, one of the young ladies says, well, if I go on a date and he wants to have sex with me, what do I do? And the ladies will have self-control or either go on a date with several other people, go on a date in a group. She said, they do it in groups. And I'm like, oh, my God. And she said, well, yeah. what do I do then? And I, you know, I said to the young ladies, I said, look, the Bible says you have to control the flesh. And to, have your, to answer that flesh is like going through life, driving you, good, having your foot on the gas pedal. You, you can wreck. You're going to wreck some kind of way, physically, emotionally, you're going to wreck. It. You can't just be giving it out like that because you give away part of your soul. And, you know, for a young woman to have sex with a young man, she bleeds. It's Back in the mm-hmm. old days they said a cherry, whatever they said, the cherry. She busted the cherry, whatever. That's a blood covenant that you made with that woman. When It's a blood covenant. And we don't respect that covenant of love and coming together with one man being with one flesh with this woman. And it's a blood covenant, and we don't respect that. And we have to go back and teach that God built that blood covenant with this man and woman to be with one woman and one man.
3: And that's how it's supposed to be in the beginning. So what, what you're touching on is what, like, you know, a lot of times we tell young people and young adults don't have sex. You, we, I've heard it when I was younger, don't have sex. Done. But we really have to explain and, and tell them the, the significance of why we shouldn't do it. And there's so many up, it's so many reasons. And I, I, if I can just share just a part of my story, God it shown me. I, I, you know, I grew up, I, I wasn't a, a, a bad guy or a bad kid and, you know, I, I never really dealt with depression or suicide, but it was a point in my life where I started to, and, and it was later in my adult life. I, I was dealing with depression and suicide, and God showed me, um, he literally showed me that the reason I was dealing with that stuff is due to the people I had slept with. He specifically showed me <laughs> the people. Wow. Now, we're, we're not teaching, we're not teaching our young people and giving them a <laughs> different perspective it's showing them the significance of why not to do it. Not just, oh, the Bible says that's part of it. That is, but we got to give them practical reasons, you know, in terms of soul ties and taking on other people's spirits and, and, and uh, diseases that are out there. And you don't know what yeah. the person is dealing with in terms of they may have been abused and they don't know how to say no, yeah. but you, you got to be willing to know your value so you can value them. Right. And you may aid in helping them heal. So these are some of the things you have to kind of break down and talk to our young people about, because if they maybe gain more of an understanding uh, of uh, the significance of why we shouldn't do it, then we'll get more, uh, you know, young people not doing it or even partaking in dialogue with other young people as to why we shouldn't do it.
0: Right, 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 right. Marsha, you had another question for them? Okay. Um,
4: I question was uh, in In working with this, have you seen the schools and the churches getting more involved now and getting a better understanding of the sexual abuse, the texting the sexting, and everything? i know I, I worked with the youth at our church in over in New Orleans, and that was one of the segments that we had to do. With the youth, and it was just bombarded with questions from youth because they did not understand some things, that, and some things were taboo at home, and some things that uh, just wouldn't be talked about. So, the clarity of it with churches, how we can really get that get that out and have some serious dialogue about it because it is a blood covenant and it is something that you carry with you. I used the illustration of clay, and I gave out clay, little, different colors of clay. And they were to secretly put how many partners they had been with and, and dealing with the trauma that they had been with. And when they saw all the different clays matched together, they realized the significance of sleeping with someone because it it remains with you that much. So I, I thought that was an uh, interesting thing mm-hmm. that God gave. So we had to teach them from a biblical standpoint also and, and know that God takes them through it just as and he sustains us. Right. So the uh, question was, what, uh, do you really think the churches are now getting the grasp, and the schools are getting the grasp on dealing with the sexual abuse? And, and are they welcoming um, nonprofits like you all in to, to, to help them the process going when they don't have it on staff?
1: You know, I think and, that, um, that churches and schools are starting to understand that there's an issue there. Um, I can't necessarily speak on um, how they're handling it just because they all kind of do things differently. But that's why we're definitely a resource there because it, it, it's tough, you know, and um, we definitely want to be able to be there to be, to be able to kind of bridge that gap between even the, what God says about um, sex and covenant and all of those things and abuse and hurt, you know, and um, what the world says. And if we can be that bridge for them, we can have them understand more so the reasons why God says what's important, because that's so important in this generation, for them to understand the reasonings behind things, Because things, and it's because they ask why. They say, well, why can't we do that? Or, yeah, the Bible is set for, you know, days previous or whatever it may be, but um, the, the Bible is never changing, you know, and so we have to explain that to this generation the reasons why things are said and set the way that they are. Um, And they're wired that way for a reason. I believe so much that this generation now is asking why and wanting to know more because God has allowed them to be wired that way for their purpose and for what they're going to play in the kingdom and what role they're going to do for this world. So if we can equip them as well and meet them where they are to give them the information that they need, that's when they run. That is
0: great. I, You know, I really applaud what you guys are doing. Um, my prayer, I'm a to stand in agreement with you guys for the safe house because I truly believe we need it. We have a lot of young people here in Atlanta. A lot of young people who are homeless are running from different foster care, care because they don't feel safe or want to be in those uh, facilities. So, yeah, mm-hmm. we need a space for them to be safe and to be protected. So I, I applaud mm-hmm. you guys. And thank you so much for being on the show. I'm going to have you guys back, and we can kind of share some more with us. Please give the listening audience your website again, your phone number, either if they're
1: interested in making donations or volunteering. Okay, so, um, again, we have our fundraiser coming up this Saturday, so tickets are on sale at our website. Um, The website is www.definedwithpurpose.com. And you can go there and donate. Um, your donations help us as far as um, um, paying for therapy and legal fees, mentoring these families, um, just making sure they're gonna become at a place of healing. So donations are so needed and they're so important, and we so thank you for donating. Um, to reach us uh, via phone, our number is 404 707 4434. And we are located in Atlanta, Georgia, and I'm trying to think if there's any other information. Oh, our website, again, definedwithpurpose.com, our email address and where you can reach us if you have any referrals or anyone that um, may need help. You can um, reach us via email at info, I-N-F-O, at definedwithpurpose.com.
0: You know, I just want to thank you guys for being on. And, Marcia, thank you so much for um, letting me get to meet these great people and what they're doing. You're growing so great seeds to our community, and I appreciate that. I am very, very grateful for what you guys are doing. Um, anytime you need me, um, just let me know. I'm going to try to do my best to help out and support what you're doing because I believe in what you're doing. And I just want to thank you so much. And uh, Aaron, you know our men, you know I, they're the uh, foundation of the house. An enemy has taken so many of our men out of the home, so I'm hoping that these men will be able to heal to be good fathers and husbands and wives, I mean, for their for their families, you know. And these women too will be able to heal and be able to be good mothers and husbands I mean, wives to their husbands. So because you know we've just been broken in so many areas, and it, mm-hmm. we all need to be healed. So I just applaud you for that place of healing for our people to be there.
3: Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, and thank you for having us. We appreciate it. And we just want to continue to do God's work and, uh, as you said, seek about healing deliverance so that uh, people can be set free and that we can operate in in, uh, who God has called us to be. Uh, We're in a, a dark world, and we need a lot of people to shed some light, so we want to continue to shed light. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and it's it's getting yeah you know listening to the news you know I have to take that and strive and listen to the shooting that happened at the synagogue you know just just we just gotta love has to overflow because you know if you look at the world look like hatred's taking over but no you guys are showing a mm-hmm. lot of love and I just appreciate you I just want to thank you guys for being on you on the D Hour Network this is Marsha Patterson we're gonna take a break and just we'll be right back.